0: Hey, I'm Michael Woodley, pastor at First West. Thank you so much for joining us today. Here in just a second, we're going to dive into God's word and to see what it says about who he is, about who we are, and about the hope that can be found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that today God's word will encourage you, it'll challenge you, and it'll allow you to see that no matter where we find ourselves, there's always hope because of Jesus Christ. So let's dig in and see what God has for us today in his word
1: main idea today, if you're taking notes, is this. Our main idea is pursuit of Jesus is expressed through sharing him with the lost. Pursuit of Jesus is expressed through sharing him with the lost. You see, we, we should naturally share Jesus with other people if we're pursuing Jesus. So today, we're not going to spend time on me trying to tell you, here's another strategy on how to share your faith. Though sometimes those moments are helpful because it helps us put words to the things that we know are realities in our life. But today, we're not going to focus on the how. We're going to focus on the why, why we should share our faith. And we're going to see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21 is what we're going to read. You see, Paul, he's writing the church at Corinth. If you remember, for a while, we were in the book of 1 Corinthians, right? And so Paul, he is writing the church at Corinth, and he's correcting some problems. He's teaching them. He's doing this kind of thing. And so we see here in this section, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it's a beautiful portion of scripture. One I would encourage you to, to maybe underline in your Bible. Many of you have heard some of these verses as we read them. So let's stand in the honor of the reading of God's word as we read second Corinthians chapter five verses 16 through 21 it says this from now on, then we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, We are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. And God, I thank you so much, not just for this scripture, but for the reality of this scripture, that in you there's new life to be found. I'm no longer who I was before, but I have a new perspective and a new outlook on life and a new reality. And God, for those of us in this room today who are followers of you, would we hear this with fresh ears today? For those in the room who need to know you, who need to be reconciled to you, who need a new perspective, God, would they commit their life to you today? God, would your word as it it does, would it transform us? And God, I pray that as we walk out of this room today, we would look more like you than when we walked into it. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. And so believers, today as we pursue Jesus Christ, I want to show you in our text and remind you who you were before Jesus Christ what Jesus has done for you, and then lastly, what God has given you. This is what I want you to see. It leads us to our first point, if you're taking notes. The first point is the realization of what God has done for us. Say realization. Realization, realization of what God has done for you. This is important, and we see this starting in verse 16. It says, from now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective." says, from now on is what it starts. That, what that means is from your moment of salvation. So if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of his, you, you are a new creation, from now on, it tells us, from now on, you do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Maybe you would phrase this a little bit differently if you're saying it today, but what it means is as a believer, from now on, as a, as, from that moment, you have a new perspective on the people around you. You have a new perspective on the world around. You You see and perceive things totally different than you do before. We no longer look at the world the way that we used to look at the world. We see people differently. You see, we, we become, we are spiritual people who see things with a spiritual perspective. We see things through the eyes of God and through the heart of God when we look around us. You see, what we have a tendency to do in our world and in our culture and our society is we tend to define people by what they look like, by what we can see, by the opinions we have, or maybe by the biases that we carry. This is true for all of us. This is what we can tend to do. And what he's saying here is I no longer see things from a, from a worldly perspective. And so I no longer see man or woman. I no longer see black or white. I no longer see Democrat or Republican. I no longer see American or European. You see, it's not that those labels don't exist, but we don't define people by their labels as believers. How we define people is they are either a brother and sister in Christ or they are a lost person in need of a savior. That's how we view the world around us. And we don't allow their background. We don't allow the color of their skin. We don't allow maybe their economic status. We don't allow those things to be what defines them. A label doesn't define them. They're either they are a brother and sister in Christ and we rejoice in that or they are a lost person who we have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus with. And whether they are a brother or sister or a lost person, the Bible commands us for both of them to love them. And so our perspective on the world around us changes. It's not just what they can do for us or how they look or their background, but man, we view them in that way. And not only does our perspective on people begin to change, we also see Jesus with a new perspective. Look, it says, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. So we have this new view of people around us and the world around us. We also have a new view of Jesus Christ. You see, the world views Jesus Christ as a really good teacher. The world views Jesus Christ as an important historical figure. Listen, even people within the church, they view Jesus as someone who's there to help us when we're struggling. Or maybe they view Jesus as someone that we talk about on Sunday mornings. But this is not how we view Jesus any longer. You see, Jesus isn't just an important teacher or historical figure or a problem solver. Jesus is now King. He is Lord. He is Savior of our life. And that's how I view him. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Believer, today, do you realize what God has done for you? Do you remember what God has done for you? Uh, Anne-Marie wouldn't like it, but I would love for her to come back and sing that song we finished on again, right? I was, uh, I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I remember that I was an enemy of God. I remember I was lost. I was hopeless until Jesus entered my life. Do you remember that? Don't let it grow numb today. So often, man, this whole thing can grow numb to us when we've been a believer for a long time. This verse 17. This is our testimony. Therefore, anyone is a new Christ, we're a new creation. The old passed away and the new has come. That is our true reality, but it can easily grow numb to us. Here in a couple of weeks, I'm going to celebrate my 12-year anniversary, right? 12 years. And that sounds like a lot to me. Some, some of you, you're like, that's chump change. That ain't nothing. 12 years. You're just getting started, kid. But for me, it feels like a long time, right? And I remember I started dating my wife in high school. And I remember at that time, I would do anything to spend five minutes with her, wouldn't I? I? I would drive long distances just to get those few moments where we get to see each other. I would give all of the little bit of money I had to make her happy, right? Just, just, I, I would do anything for her. And what can begin to naturally happen over 12 years or even longer since we've been dating, what can begin to happen, and you know this to be true if you've been in a relationship some time, you can begin to grow numb to the person a little bit. You can take for granted what you have in that person, right? What can happen over here when, what well, we often call the honeymoon phase, right? What can happen in the honeymoon phase is you see all the good things of that person. And what happens over here is you begin to see all the things that drive you crazy, right? You spend time with them and you're like, I didn't realize you snored so loudly, right? Or you grind your teeth at night. Or, hey, has anyone ever taught you how to load the dishwasher correctly? Or, why don't you know how to separate whites and colors when you're doing the laundry, right? We can have these moments of, hey, everything they do is perfect over here. Just five minutes of your time. And over here, we're like, can I just get some alone time, please, right? Can I spend some time by myself? This is what happens as we spend time in a relationship with each other for a long amount of time. And we have to remind ourselves, we have to pursue our partner and love them deeply and not just look for all the ways that they've done something wrong, but appreciate who they are and how God has made them. This is true in our walk with Christ. At the beginning, we can be so enthusiastic about what Jesus has done for us. Then we spend longer and longer with him and we begin to grow numb to the effect of Jesus in our life and what he has done for us. No longer how long you have been a believer in here. You need a realization and a remembrance of what Jesus has done for you. I'm so grateful in this room right now as I'm looking at you, man. There are some people in here who have been believers for such a long time. And I learned so much and I'm encouraged so much by your faithfulness and your endurance and how you've served the Lord so long, so faithfully. But even today, for whether you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior yesterday or 70 years ago, we need to remember and realize what Jesus has done for us. That it needs to be our reality every single day. Because when I enter into life with Jesus, it's a dramatic change. It changes everything. We enter a whole new reality. You see, here I, I was lost. I was hopeless. I was an enemy of God. I was an enemy of his. And here I'm justified. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God. You go from an enemy to a child. I don't know about you, but if someone's an enemy to my family, I'm going to have a hard time adopting that person into my family, right? But that's what, exactly what God did for us. Let this sink in today. It's such a great truth and a, remind us, and a reminder that, man, what he has done for us, don't let it grow numb. And, and this, this truth and, and this realization of what he has done for me, it leads us to our main idea of the message which was pursuit of Jesus expressed through sharing him with the lost. When I remember, when I realize what he has done for me, and I don't forget that, it leads me to, uh, to, to living a life of sharing the, with lost people the goodness of Jesus Christ. How do I know this? How can I say this? Well, we see this at the beginning of 17, the verse I just read. It says, therefore, if anyone, say anyone. anyone. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ's, You see, we go and we share because anyone can experience this transformation. It is true for anyone around us. And so when we realize what he has done for us, and then I realize the truth that it's for anyone, I'm launched out on the mission of God to go tell them about what Jesus has done for me. Now, I don't need training. I don't need expertise. I don't need all the right words. I just need to be faithful to what he's called me to do. You see, I didn't have to sit here today and get your help to tell you about how my kids won the citizenship award, did I? Something I'm proud of is something that affected my family. And I just told you about it. And that's what we're called to do with Jesus is when he changes your life, when, he's get, when you went from an enemy to a child, we naturally go and tell people about the radical change that has happened in our life. And we do it not out of burden, but it's a delight that I get to go and share the life change that has happened in my life, how Jesus has carried me, how Jesus has made me a child. I get to go and share that with people. A mentor of mine used to say, we need to phrase things like this, that uh, it's not that I have to do it, but that I get to do it, right? And so it's not that I have to go and share Jesus with people. It's that I get to go and share Jesus with people. That's the truth and the reality for us. And so today, before we move forward, I want to answer the question. So why don't we? If you're a believer in the room and you would say this has been true of you, this radical change in your life, you were an enemy and now you're a child, you were lost and now you're found, you were condemned to eternal death, now you have eternal life, then why don't I share it with people? Well, I think sometimes, again, in church, I think we we may tend to say, well, people need more training or encouragement. And I don't think that's true, honestly. Because you don't need training on how to tell your life story. You're an expert at it. So why don't we share Jesus with people? I came up with three reasons this week. We came up with three reasons this week, and um, you may not agree, but I'm the one speaking, so I get to share them, right? So point number one is this. Reason number one is this, why we don't share faith. Number one is because you haven't experienced salvation. As I ask you to remember what Jesus has done in your life and to realize the impact he's had on your life, there's nothing for you to realize There's not been a moment that you've truly surrendered your life to Christ. So there's not this change. There's not this new perspective. There's not this new life because you've done the church thing, but you haven't really surrendered your life to Jesus. So you're not going to go passionately share Jesus with lost people because he hasn't done anything in your life. And so maybe today the Lord is using this message that is targeted towards believers going out and sharing their faith. Maybe he's using this message to bring you a realization and a conviction that I need to give my life to Jesus. I haven't been doing it because it's not the reality of my life. And God, I, I, I pray today that you would make that decision. That would be the greatest thing you could do today is to say, I want to have this new reality. I want to become a new creation through Jesus Christ. I'd love to talk to you about that at the end of the service. That's reason number one, why we don't share. But I know for many of you, you are believers in the room. So what's the second reason we don't share our faith? Number two is we've gotten over it. We've gotten used to it. We've gotten numb to it. You see, we're just doing the church thing. We're doing the Christian thing. Maybe you're even still devoted to your Bible reading and to prayer and to being a kind person. But you've forgotten that the only reason you know the gospel and surrendered your life to us because someone faithfully went out and shared it with you, right? And so you're called then to go out and join God in his mission to share the good news of Jesus with others. But you've gotten over the fact that you were lost and now you are saved. And today you need to realize what Jesus has done for you and remember that. The third and final reason why we don't share our faith and Uh, I got to say this before I say it. I love you guys deeply. And so I say this out of love. The reason we don't share our faith with others is because we think we deserved our salvation. And we don't realize that I ever was an enemy. We think from the get-go, we deserved it. That we were good. We've been kind. We've done the right things. And so, yeah, it was natural that I was saved. That was an easy one for God to save. You know, when I think back on my life, I was raised, my dad was a bivocational pastor and I was at church any time I could be at church, right? And I liked it. I didn't go out of, uh, I mean, there was times I was a kid, right? But I, I enjoyed going with my family. I was at church all the time. My parents led family devotionals. I, I would have won the citizenship awards in my class. I was a kind person. I was a good kid. But let me tell you, I was a lost person in need of a savior. No matter how good I was, how good my parents were, how good my family was, none of that could get me to heaven. None of that could reconcile my relationship to God. And so I needed Jesus to come and to save me, no matter how good I was. It wasn't based off my goodness or my family's goodness. It was only based off the blood of Jesus Christ. And so don't sit here today and say, we deserved this. We don't. We were his enemy, and yet he saved us anyway. So maybe the reason we haven't shared our faith is because we think we deserved it. Romans 5 tells us this. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Because I realized I was an enemy and I've been reconciled to God, now I boast in God. That is the boast of my life, not how good I was, how perfect I was, but only in God because I've received this reconciliation. Say the word reconciliation. Reconciliation. You need to get familiar with this word because we're going to say it a lot from here on out, right? Reconciliation, you, you probably know this word in a, in a worldly sense, right? If you had a friend and there's a, 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 some drama between you and your friend and then you were no longer friends for a while and then you become friends again, you would have to reconcile, right? There to be reconciliation for the broken relationship to become whole again. This is what we're talking about, that our relationship with God has been broken and through Jesus Christ we receive reconciliation. We receive a whole relationship through G, the blood of Jesus again. And so we realize what he has done for us. We realize that we are apart and now we are together, what he has done for us. And that propels us forward into the mission of God. I remember, I realized that propels me forward. If you look up at verse 14 in the chapter that we're in, it tells us there that the love of Christ compels us right? It pushes us forward. And it's not an option. It's not something that I have to do. It's something that because I realize the love of Christ and what he has done in my life, it pushes me forward in the mission of God to join in in his work. This is what this idea of sharing sharing Jesus with the lost is about. Look at verse 8. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So we see a transition here in our text. In our scripture here, we, we, we were learning one thing, and we see it here at the beginning of eight. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. That's everything I just talked about, right? That's the, the, the truth of the first part of that verse. And now Paul is going to take it and flip it around and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us something. That's our second point today. Our second point is this, the opportunity of what God has given us. The opportunity of what God has given us. We see that in the second part of this verse as we move forward. It's an opportunity that God has given us. Did you know that God has given you something in salvation? And it's not just to get to heaven, right? When you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, yes, you receive eternal life through him. But he's given you something greater or something of importance here today. If that wasn't the case, when you walked the aisle and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he'd just take you on up to be with him. But he's given you something for today that's important for us. He's given you a mission. He's given you a purpose. He's given you a ministry to fulfill. You see, sinful people, we live in a a broken world full of lost and sinful people. And those people must be reconciled to God. And he allows you, you get to play a part in that ministry. It's a beautiful picture. We see here it says that he has given, say given. Us the ministry of reconciliation. This word given, in the original language, is the word did owe me did owe me It means to bestow a gift, to grant, to give. You may say, Evan, I don't care a lot about that at all. But what it, what it tells us is that God has given us the gift. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. He has laid it on us. Let me give you a picture from Scripture that helps us understand what God has given us here in this moment. You don't have to turn there, but if you were to turn to Matthew 9, we see Jesus all out in action in ministry. And what happens in Matthew 9, there's a few different things. Jesus has brought a little girl back to life. He's healed the bleeding woman. Maybe you remember that story, right? He has healed two blind men and he has driven a demon out of someone. He's been busy, hasn't he? (laughs) Right? He's doing amazing work and life-changing work. It's pretty impressive what God is doing. He's healing the blind, driving out demons, raising the dead. And at the end of the chapter, listen, out of that context, at the end of that chapter, Jesus sees the crowd of people. Much like this, he sees a group of people in front of him. And it tells us that Jesus had compassion on them. Why did he have compassion? He says, because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. And so he's going around, he's healing people, he's raising people, he's driving demons out. And then he sees more people. And he's distressed and he's dejected because they look like sheep without a shepherd. And listen to the words of Jesus. He's the, he then says this maybe it's a verse you recognize The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And so we see this moment, he's doing ministry, he's serving, he's doing amazing things, he sees people, he's distressed and dejected, he has compassion on them because they're like sheep without a shepherd. It says there's all these people that need ministry, that need to know the love of God, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord that he would send workers out. The next verse, Matthew 10, 1, look at what Jesus does. It says this, listen, summoning his 12 disciples He gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. He sees the crowd. He's distressed and dejected. So many people that need to know the love of God they're lost and they're broken they're sheep without a shepherd we need more workers to go into the harvest so he draws the disciples to himself and it tells us that he gave them the authority over the unclean spirits he gave them the authority to drive out demons he gave them the authority to heal every disease and sickness he allowed the disciples to join in on his ministry he gave them the authority to go out and join him in the work of the ministry because the workers are few. That word gave, he gave them authority. It's the same word didomi that we see in 2 Corinthians. What God has given you is the ministry of reconciliation because the the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. So he's given you the spirit. He's given you the ministry to go out and share the good news of Jesus with others. Much like the disciples left that place and began to heal people and begin to drive out demons and begin to raise people up, begin to do the awesome ministry that was from Jesus, we have been given that opportunity to join him in his work, to go into a lost and a broken wor- world and share with them the message of reconciliation. Man, this is the opportunity we have to join Christ in his ministry, to live his heart out. And so we're missing it if we do it begrudgingly. We're missing it if we do it out of obligation. You get to join the Lord in his work. God looks at the world, all of it, and sees the brokenness. I don't have to convince you the world is broken. You know it. I was at two funerals yesterday. You feel the brokenness of this world. God looks at the world and sees the brokenness and says, look, we need more people to go into the harvest. And so he has given you this ministry, this message of reconciliation to go out and to share with other people. And maybe when we talk about this idea of sharing our faith, you get intimidated by it. You say, man, I don't have the ability or the power to do this. Well, what I remind you, when Jesus gathered the disciples, he doesn't say, hey, let's do some training. He doesn't say, hey, let, let's, let, let, let's work on this for a little bit. He gives them his authority. In the same way, when you're called to go out to reach the lost, it's not in your power, it's not in your ability, it's in the authority that God has handed over to you. It's in his power. Trust in him. Our third point is this, the responsibility of what God has committed to us. The responsibility of what God has committed to us. Look at verse 19. It says, that is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. You see, who is God reconciling says so That is, God was reconciling who? The world to himself. The world. It's not a certain type of people. It's not a certain country. It's not people who look a certain way. Jesus, or God's heart, is for the world. John 3, 16, For God so loved thee, world, right? God loves the world and has sent us into the world. Why does First West has a heart, have a heart to reach the world? Because it's God's heart. I'm so encouraged right now as I, as I think through college students who are connected to our church. We have a college student right now in Nepal. We have a college student right now in Southeast Asia. We have a college student in Canada. We have a college student in Boston. We have a college student in Brazil. We have a college student in South Florida who have given up their summer to be launched out to share the good news of Jesus around the world. They're joining in on the heart of God. Why do they do this? Why do they give up their summer? Why do they give up their freedom and just being a college student? to go on mission. One, because it's the heart of God. God for, lo, so loved the world, right? He loves the world. But number two is we have a responsibility. Say responsibility. We have a responsibility as believers to go share the good news of Jesus Christ. It tells us there as we kept reading this, says, and he has committed, this is important We're committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. As we close out our time together today, you know, when Paul was writing this, uh, the, the Roman Empire was the big deal, right? And the Roman Empire, if you studied history, took over a lot of uh, cities and countries and occupied a lot of land. And, and Rome, when they would take over place, would, would identify providence, uh, province as one of two things. Either that province, they were peaceful and they submitted to Rome. They, they were fine with being a part of Rome and so they were peaceful and submitted to it. Or they would identify them as not peaceful and that they could rebel against Rome. And obviously, they don't want people rebelling against them. So what Rome would do, and this is part of why Jesus was killed, in fact, what Rome would do is they would send ambassadors to live in that area to ensure that, the, that rebellion would not break out and that peace would exist. They would send an ambassador on their behalf to live among the people to ensure that peace would be a part of it and a rebellion would not break out. Believer, you are an ambassador for God. And remember, lo- the lost, before we know Jesus, we are an enemy of God. We are hostile against God. And you are called to go out in love to share the good news of ho- and hope of Jesus Christ. You see We don't want people to spend eternity separated from him. We realize what he has done for us, and so we share that message naturally with everyone else. And as we go out into this lost world to share the good news of Jesus, we may have a fear that they'll reject us. Guess what? They will. They will reject us. But remember, whose message is it as an ambassador we're we're claiming? It's not our own message. It's not our own hope. It's the message of Jesus Christ. So when they reject us, they reject him. So we faithfully live out our responsibility. We realize what Jesus has done for us. We see the opportunity around us. And we know it's our responsibility to go and share our faith with those he's placed in our path. God has uniquely
0: placed you where he has placed you to share the gospel. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We hope, again, that you were uh, encouraged by what God had to say for you and for your life. I just want to extend an invitation for you today. Maybe today you realize that you need Jesus in your life. Maybe today you just need to take that next step in your spiritual walk, or maybe you've got a spiritual need, and I want you to know that we would love to come alongside you and serve you any way that we can. Feel free to reach out to us at firstwest.cc, or you can call the church, 318-322-5104, and we would love to help you in what God is doing in your life. Have a great day.